Participate, engage, speak out, use your voice to be an effective advocate. The Voices in Advocacy podcast examines the diverse landscape of advocacy, exploring the ins and outs of building influence, driving change, and creating champion advocates. It's now time for the Voices in Advocacy podcast with your host, Roger Rickard. Hello and welcome to the Voices in Advocacy podcast. I'm Roger Rickard, president and founder of Voices in Advocacy, where we work with organizations to inspire, educate, engage, and activate your supporters by turning them into influential and effective advocates. And this is the podcast dedicated to the art of advocacy. This podcast is for the people that work and engage in advocacy efforts for their organizations be they corporations, associations, trade organizations, and nonprofit cause groups. Now, let's get started. In today's episode, we have two fabulous guests. First, we meet Dave Dubois. Dave is the president and CEO of IAEE, the International Association of Exhibitions and Events. He is a former executive of PCMA and MPI. He has served on the board of the American Society of Association Executives and currently serves on the board board of directors for Destination International, uh, the Meetings Mean Business Coalition, and the U.S. Travel Association. In 2019, Dave was inducted into the Exhibitions Industry Council's Hall of Leaders, the industry's most prestigious honor. Dave, welcome to today's show. Thank you, Roger, and uh, I'm glad you would use the long version. We'll talk about that in a second. Our second guest is Tommy Goodwin. He is the Vice President of Government Affairs for the Exhibitions and Conferences Alliance, known as ECA, a newly formed association dedicated to the recovery and advancement of the business events industry. He has spent more than 20 years leading a wide range of government relations, public affairs, and issue advocacy efforts for several globally recognized associations and corporations, including Oracle Corporation, AARP, and the Project Management Institute. Tommy was recognized by The Hill in its 2020 list of association top lobbyists. Welcome, Tommy. Roger, thank you very much for having us both here today. Uh, it's, it's my extreme pleasure. And let me tell you, listeners, you need to know only that I hit the highlights of these gentlemen's careers. Both are very impressive, and we will have their full biographies in the show notes. So let's begin by talking about the newly formed Exhibitions and Conferences Alliance, known as ECA. Dave, can you briefly explain how the ECA came to be? Well, thank you, Roger. And, and uh, as Tommy said, it's a pleasure to, to join you today and, uh, and hello to all your listeners and viewers. Uh, you know, obviously, you're going to hear a lot uh, about advocacy from professionals like Roger and Tommy. Um, I really didn't get dragged into it, but Roger and I go back 20 plus years where we worked on government affairs and, and advocacy uh, when he was a volunteer member of Meeting Professionals International. And I was on their staff. So obviously it's, it always has been and always will be important. But I tell you, when we hit the, uh, Roger the pandemic uh, a year ago, March, 
a little over a year ago now, uh, obviously it exasperated and accelerated the need for advocacy at a level we've never seen before. So in the exhibitions and conferences business, we've been doing exhibitions day, we've been doing uh, meetings industry day, we've been advocating on the Hill with the US Travel Association, the American Society of Association executives and others. But you know, we really never, Roger, had a dedicated focus until the need to have a full-time dedicated focus. So you'll hear from Tommy and myself a little bit later, uh, more about uh, ECA, but we started the Exhibitions and Conferences Alliance. And for the first time ever, Tommy is our Vice President of Government Affairs for this entity, which was founded by seven organizations with seven or eight others that are supportive at uh, various levels, both financially and, and from a uh, call to action standpoint. And we now have on the Hill or in Alexandria, Virginia, close to being on the Hill, Tommy that will represent us 365 days a year, not quite 24 seven, because he do, does have a wonderful wife and, and son to take good care of. Well, that, that's great. Dave, who are uh, some of the other organizations that are involved? Well, there's an alphabet soup of seven of us. Uh, the, the primaries are the Society of Independent Show Organizers, which is the uh, association uh, and group for for-profit uh, for profit exhibition and conferences, companies like Reed and Informa and Clarion. Uh, a lot of folks would maybe know their names, maybe not. As well as uh, the service contractors, the Freemans, the GESs, the folks who actually help build and, and produce shows, as well as you know five other organizations, and it's all going to be listed on the, on the links you'll provide as well, Roger. Wonderful. That that's that's fabulous, Dave. And uh, congratulations on putting this uh, all together. It was very much needed for the industry, as uh, you and I have been working directly on this for the last eight years with. Uh, it, with efforts to keep moving this forward. Tommy, what, you know, being new in the role, what is the first thing that one should do to build an effective and influential government affairs program? Oh, Roger, that's a great question. And, you know, it's interesting in, in the advocacy world, there's always a lot of talk about benchmarking and best practices and case studies. And I think those are good to a point, but I think what some folks sometimes don't realize is that every organization that gets involved in advocacy has a set of assets that are important to them, that are core to who they are, that they bring forward to talk to policymakers, whether that's here in Washington, D.C., or in their home states and, and cities. And being part of this group, even just for a little while, it was very clear to see there are some amazing, amazing advocates and there are some amazing business owners, show organizers, event professionals who have these stories to tell. And so it was very easy to see early on that in this business events ecosystem, we've got some people who can really talk about what they do in their communities, the value that they bring, right? This is an industry, more than 6.6 .6 million jobs, contributes nearly $400 billion to gross domestic product, right? These are people who can tell stories about what it means in their community and kind of had that leader to leader conversation with policymakers. So when I came in and saw that, it was very clear, right? We need to connect these folks directly to members of Congress and their staffs, directly to folks in cities and states that are gonna make decisions about how we reopen society safely and in a healthy way and let them have that dialogue because it's one thing when the guy in Washington DC tells a story, 
But as you know, when the advocate tells their own story and they know that they can make that impact, it's just so much more impactful. Well, it's it's personal and it's all about their constituents that are in there. And we have been speaking in the past, uh, people that have been involved in, in this effort. There isn't a congressional district in this country that does not have businesses that buy and sell their goods and services through the trade show and exhibition marketplace. And it's vitally important if we're going to get commerce moving and keep people moving and help train people that we reach out to those people. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and I agree, there is always a laundry list of the set of assets that, that go with that. So with that, looking at where we're at right now with the 117th Congress and now about 60 days into work here, uh, where uh, are the priorities for the Exhibitions and Conferences Alliance? Uh, either one of you, Tommy, you want to jump in first? Sure. It's like you said, right? This is an industry with its suppliers and organizers and, and different parts of this world who really contribute nationwide. And as everybody here knows, you know, the pandemic really froze this business in place uh, last March. And, you know, the ripple effects of that, you know, and all those closures, you know, they're continuing today, you know. The industry is, you know, it's probably going to be one of the, the longer ones to, to recover. And you know, what we recognize at ECA is there's going to be a need to stimulate the economy with relief and recovery incentives to help restart this business. And so our number one priority this year, it's a piece of legislation. It's called the Hospitality and Commerce Job Recovery Act. And it's just the kind of stimulus bill that need, you know, the industry needs to get people back to work and help bring back all of the jobs that were lost during the pandemic. And it has different elements to it. It provides a temporary tax credit for you know, revitalizing the business events industry to help offset the cost of either attending a convention or hosting one. And that goes all the way out from 2022 to 2024. And it's got some other provisions you know, around employee retention tax credits and supporting the restaurant and food and beverage industry and some pieces on the leisure travel side as well. But for our community, it's particularly important because it'll help support the offset of some of the costs that these venues and organizers and suppliers are taking on to, to keep people safe, right? Think about, you know, the remediation, the cleaning, the PPE, you know, having increased, you know, numbers of people on staff to make sure that people are being safe so that, you know, we're preventing the spread of COVID-19 and we're bringing these shows, these important trade shows and exhibitions back in a way that people know they have the confidence to be safe. We've done some great work recently in Orlando that shows, you know, we can have thousands of people in a convention center safely and ensure that not one single case of COVID was spread. So, you know, from our perspective, you know, the sooner a bill like that can be enacted, you know, the sooner, you know, that our country can help bring jobs back to the sector, shorten the, the long recovery cycle we're all in and help provide some support and economic stability to, like you said, all 435 districts nationwide that rely on business events, trade shows and exhibitions. David, want to add anything to that? It just briefly, Roger, you know, as, as Tommy said, you know, in 2019, we had the best exhibitions and conferences um, ecosystem and financial uh, profitability ever, 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 ever. You know, just the exhibitions alone generated over $100 billion in direct spending and globally over $300 billion. That's just the exhibitions piece. And you can magnify that, as you know, Roger, um, you know, 20, 30 times for the overall business events industry globally. But, you know, the, the CARES Act and the, the Relief Act in December, uh, as Tommy said, has helped. 
But our industry lost, the exhibitions industry lost 92% of its revenues in 2019. We're slowly, I always, because I grew up, as you did, you grew up in Pennsylvania, I grew up in Michigan. And, you know, when you're driving through snowstorms and ice storms, eventually you see sunshine. Eventually you'll see, actually see the road instead of following a truck and making sure that you follow the, the, the trail that uh, that truck driver is leaving for you. We're seeing the sunshine, Roger, but we still have a big climb up that hill. About uh, a third of the state and city convention centers are now open. We're starting to see that. We are really excited about the fall, but you know what that means? Getting back to about 60% of what we did in 2019 in the fall of 2019. So we still got quite a ways to go. And as Tommy said, we will continue to lobby with his support and leadership to get additional incentives and motivation. And you know what, bottom line, we need corporate executives, as Tommy said, to feel safe about sending their ladies and gentlemen, their staff in as exhibitors and attendees. Because until that happens, That's right. we can open up every show that we had in the fall of 2019, and we may only get 40 or 50% of the attendance that we really need. So to, to point that out and, and to the bill that uh, Tommy mentioned, the Hospitality and Commerce Recovery Job Recovery Act, it's Senate 477 and House 1346. So thanks thanks for bringing that up. And I, and I couldn't agree more with both of your comments about one, getting back to doing the commerce part of this, but also doing it safely. You know, uh, I, I think of the, the, the musical Hamilton, I'm not gonna waste my shot. And I gotta tell you, I got my second shot yesterday. I'm ready to go wherever in the world. Let's get this thing moving now. So Tommy, what can supporters of ECA do to better protect and defend the exhibitions and conferences industry, both for the industry itself, but the individual businesses and, and for their employees so we can get them back to work. You know, it's like David said, we have some measures that have helped in recent times. You know, the, the Paycheck Protection Program was one. There are some other support measures that have, that have, have assisted as well. Um, but we do need something more that's specific and targeted, right? Because like David said, we do see light at the end of the tunnel, but it's going to be a journey. I think there's, um, I think there's somewhat of a misunderstanding uh, by some policymakers that it's, you know, simply as a matter of flipping a switch and saying, you know, okay, we're going to begin to reopen society. You know, this, this isn't field of dreams, right? If you build it, they're not necessarily going to come. We have to make sure that, you know, we're putting people in an environment, you know, both vendors and exhibitors where not only they feel safe and healthy, and we've demonstrated as an industry, we can do that, but also where they're incentivized to attend. And so we've been asking um, our, our advocates and folks in the industry to reach out to their members of Congress to talk about this bill. I will tell you, you know, I, I'm still a newcomer to ECA, but I have been amazed by the energy and passion that they show in reaching out. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, you see some associations, they're really pushing, pushing their advocates and pushing their members to, you know, okay, you just make the call. If you just make the call, these folks are self-organized, they're moving, they've got a story to tell because they've got a very serious need, right? These are people, you know, I, I can tell you, give you one example, uh, a member company I, I work with a fair bit, you know, this was somebody uh, down in central Florida who had you know, 41 employees in March of last year, and now he's looking at five unpaid volunteers, right? These are people who need support and relief. And when there's that sort of burning platform that they're working from, what they have been able to do in terms of letting Capitol Hill know and letting folks in their states and cities know who they are 
and what they need has been really remarkable. So we're just trying to corral that and ban the embers of their work and, and make sure that everybody knows that you know the exhibitions and conference industry contributes a lot to cities, states, and nationwide, the bottom line. And when they know that story and they got a very direct way can help, that's a really great combination that uh, that hopefully is going to make a lot of impact this year. Yeah, telling and the Roger, story. And, and I'll be in 30 seconds to remind everybody that our, that our industry drives sales tax revenues for cities and states. That helps to pay for police and fire and roads and hospital systems for people who don't have insurance. I'll, I'll stop there because you know I can get going, but you know, it, it, uh, I, I've been blessed. I've had a 45 year, I know I don't look that old, or maybe I do look that old, 45 year career, uh, a watch it in the industry. And I tell you what, as Tommy said, uh, the passion has never been this high. And Roger, you, you, you've been right there with me for many of those years. Yeah. Yeah, we have been fighting the fight and trying to take the story, uh, not only to Capitol Hill, but very much so it has to go throughout the government ecosystem into all the uh, uh, elected officials so that they know and understand at each level the impact that it has on them. I ask this question of all of my guests. And so what is the first thing that comes to mind when you think of advocacy? Uh, Dave, you go first. Wow, that's a good one. The first thing? It's a marathon, not a sprint. And when we interviewed Tommy and a few other ladies and gentlemen as our finalists, Tommy was uh, high energy and, and convinced us of the fact that, hey, if you want me to come in and in the first 60 days, snap my fingers and make things perfect, there's nobody that can do that. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And you know what? I've spent more time in the last year on advocacy because we need it, and as a leader of my association, and with the support of my board, we were able to get a lot done, raise money, and have for the first time, Roger, a full-time professional licensed lobbyist in Tommy Goodwin, and we're pleased to have him with us. Excellent answer, David. Tommy? So when I think about this, I go back to an old Thomas Jefferson quote, and yet a lot of your listeners have probably heard this before, but... He said a long time ago, we in America do not have a government by the majority. We have a government by the majority who participate. And that's the difference, right? If you've ever watched the news or, or turned on and said, why on earth is Congress talking about that? That means that they've heard from a lot of their constituents and a lot of their stakeholders that an issue matters to them. And what we're focused on is getting all of the folks in the business events ecosystem, the suppliers, the organizers, everybody in that realm to focus their energy and let Capitol Hill and their state houses and their city councils know who they are. And if we do that, I think we're gonna have a tremendous impact both in 2021 and going forward. So explain Tommy, why it is important if you're uh, an elected official, if you're a member of Congress, why do you really want to hear from the people? Well, I think you wanna hear from your constituents because we find ourselves in this remarkable environment where there's so much information, there's so much noise. And over at least the last 20 years that I've been involved in this business, politics has become much more nationalized, right? We hear about the national issues and they're really you know, trickling down to, to, down to the state and local level. But what do people really feel? What impacts their day-to-day -day lives? What are the things that, you know, when they're around their kitchen table or they're sitting up at night, what are the things that they really have concerns about? 
And David just, you know, gave a great example of what this sector contributes, right? You know, we, 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 through not only just the events themselves, but think about, you know, when you go to a conference or you go to a trade show, right? It's the flight, it's the hotel, it's local transportation, it's restaurants, it's bars, all of that, right? This industry contributes a lot to cities nationwide, to towns nationwide. And like you said, that's, that's supporting the tax base, that's police, that's firefighters, that's vital social services. Those are the nuts and bolts things that no matter whether you're in California or New York or everywhere in between, people care about, people notice that in their communities. And when you don't have those resources, well, that really matters and people realize that they're not there. So that's why we're having folks tell their story and say, it's not only the shows themselves and the energy they bring, but the knock-on effects, small businesses, so many people in our ecosystem, I believe it's like 99% of the people in the show organizing space are small businesses by SBA definitions, right? Think of it, every trade show is an episode of Shark Tank where some new business is coming by to you know, test their new wares and find out, find that one seller who can get them nationwide exposure. That happens weekend after weekend, day after day. And that's why it's so important that you know, members of Congress know the impact that our stakeholders have in their communities directly. Well, and, and Roger, if I may, I'll give a quick example. I was in downtown Dallas. I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area uh, this past weekend. And I was talking to, I was in a restaurant. I was talking to one of the managers, you know, down there, American Airlines Center in the, the whole beautiful area of downtown Dallas, as you have in your, your city of Phoenix and, and Tommy does in the uh, you know, D.C. area. Uh, he said, what do you do? I told him what I did. He goes, oh, man, do we miss conventions and trade shows? He said, we're, we're able to be open, but, but my business, 50% of my business annually in 2019 came from meetings, conventions, and trade shows that took over the downtown area. And you know what? A lot of people who live downtown, they don't like people running around with badges on. I love them. They kept me employed and they helped me put my kids through college. Well, and we know that, that that helps the entire citizenry of a local community uh, based on all that additional new money that, that comes in. So Dave, uh, as we get close to the end here, how are you gonna deal with your annual fly-in or maybe lack of fly-in legislative day on Capitol Hill this year? Well, Roger, uh, thank you for your friendship and support over the years. You've helped us for the last seven uh, exhibitions day in Washington, DC. But you know what, we've averaged, as you know, 125, 150 people in person making about 100, 125 calls to staff offices. You know, sometimes we get the congressman or woman or the senator, um, but most times it's the it's the good staff person that's taking notes and feeding information and building files on, on industries. But uh, we had to go completely digital last year. We had 600 people involved and we made about 450 contacts. It was good. It's not the same as looking in Tommy's eyes or Mary Smith's eyes, the, the staff person shaking his or her hand and spending 20 minutes in that office. It's not the same. So Tommy, what are we gonna do this year? So this year we're gonna do exactly uh, what David did uh, last year in terms of you know creating a, an opportunity and creating a platform where people nationwide can be part of this event, right? And, you know, I think one of the things, you do lose a little something in the digital realm, but one of the things that I like about digital fly-ins and remote fly-ins is they're way more inclusive. People don't necessarily need to take time off of work and fly to Washington, D.C. They can participate 
as a part of their daily lives. And it just gives more constituents, more opportunities to tell those stories we were just talking about. So we're going to do a, a kickoff event and, you know, we'll probably have some, some sessions leading up to it, letting everybody in our community know about the issues we care about and, you know, what, what they can do to help. And then on, uh, on, on June 2nd, we're going to uh, we're going to virtually uh, storm Capitol Hill and have an opportunity for folks on both the House and Senate side to hear from the entire business events community on that day about all the wonderful contributions that they make in their community. And you know, we had 600 last year. You know, we're going to shoot for even higher this year. We want as many people in our world to come and tell their stories as possible because Roger, like you said earlier, that's where the impact happens. That's where the change happens, and that's what we're going for. Uh, excellent. I like the point that you 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 recognize that there are some differences and some challenges with that, but you're emphasizing the strengths and building more numbers and gaining more advocates. So how can people learn more about the Exhibitions and Conferences Alliance? Well, we would love for people to come and visit our, our website. It's ecalliance.us. But we'd also love for people to go and take a look. Uh, one of the campaigns that ECA is running, it's called Go Live Together. And it's brought the entire industry together. We've got more than 2,900 organizations in the business events ecosystem signed up as part of this coalition. And it's golivetogether.com. And if you go and visit that website, there's a, uh, there's a button up in the upper right-hand corner that says, join us. We'd love for you to click that button. We'll keep you up to date on some of what we're doing. We'll let you know how you can connect to your members of Congress to talk about why this industry is important to you. And we'll, we'll hopefully share some successes of, of states and cities nationwide reopening and getting folks in this business uh, what they need to restart and uh, get folks not only in this industry, but nationwide back to work. And I'll, 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 Roger, if I may, in addition, um, the ECA is the umbrella organization, the parent organization. We have two campaigns. Tommy just described one campaign that is so critical and we'll continue on the lobbying, relief, stimulus, legislative side. The other campaign is called, as you know, Roger, exhibitions mean business. It can be accessed through IAEE.com. That's IAEE.com. And that is going to be the longer term carrying forward uh, public relations and communications program. So you've got ECA as the umbrella organization. Tommy and I and a gentleman by the name of David O'Drain who runs the Society of Independent Show Organizers are the, the leading forces. And then we have an executive director of Go Live Together, Sue Sung, and executive director of uh, Exhibitions Mean Business, Nicole Bowman. So all of us are, you've used this analogy many times, Roger, and, and, and uh, thank you for letting me use your analogy that you got from somebody. We're all in the same boat, rowing in the same direction at the same time. Absolutely. We will make sure that we add all this information into the show notes. And as we wrap up on a personal note, I know Dave loves to knock around that little white golf ball. Tommy, what do you like to do when not at work or with your family? Well, I am, uh, I, I am a big sports fan uh, and a big music fan. So basically, um, all, all the other things that have been shut down during the pandemic that I'm looking uh, to get back to. But uh, my, my favorite thing these days, uh, like David mentioned, I've, I've got a, a wonderful five-year-old son. And uh, we got him hooked on a TV show called Lego Masters this year. So every day, it's him and I uh, doing our practice runs so that we can, uh, whenever they run a father and son version of that, we're going to be ready to take the top prize. You got it. That sounds great. 
Well, that's a wrap up of today's great conversation with Dave Dubois of IEE and Tommy Goodwin of the ECA, the Exhibitions and Conferences Alliance. Now it's time for the advocacy engagement tip. Today's tip is from Tip. Tip O'Neill, the former Speaker of the, of the House, is famous for saying, all politics is local. So let me share an amazing statistic. There are over 537,000 elected officials in the United States, but only 537 of them are in Washington. The president, vice president, 100 senators, and 435 members of the House. So with the major bulk of elected officials at the local level, that's 529,000 of them at the local level, they're your mayors, your city council, local supervisors, just to name a few. They're your neighbors. They go to your church. They attend local events. They shop at the same stores that you do. So I firmly believe that all politics is local. Get to know these people. Create relationships. Tell your story as they affect your daily lives. Hey, and we are proud to have Rap Index as a sponsor of the show. Let's face it, today's advocacy arena is just plain noisy. Organizations are stretched. You need to take advantage to make sure that your issue gets the attention it deserves and your voice heard. The Rap Index is the best way to do just that by finding your stakeholders, relationships, and engagement power. Get past the noise, know who your people know. Go to rapindex.com. That's R A P index.com. Tell them Roger sent you. Hey, in upcoming episodes, you'll be treated to inspiring interviews from the leaders of the world of politics, association, and nonprofit causes, just like you heard from today. So if you like the podcast, head over to Apple, Google, Spotify, anywhere you can find your podcast. You can now even ask Alexa, hey, play that Voices and Advocacy podcast. A big thank you to Dave and Tommy for being on the show today. I greatly appreciate your time and passion for helping others through advocacy. Well, that's it for this episode of Voices in Advocacy. Remember, you have the power to be an effective and influential advocate. Now go out and make it a better world. We hope you enjoyed today's Voices in Advocacy podcast and look forward to you joining us again next week. To learn more about Voices in Advocacy, go to our website, voicesinadvocacy.com.